0: i'm vivek ramaswamy i'm a successful entrepreneur and i'm running for president of the united states Journal podcast. I am your host, Michael Graham. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing this podcast with your political friends, junkies, people who are following the first in the nation primary. And of course, I hope you are all uh, subscribing to the absolutely free New Hampshire Journal daily newsletter, nhjournal.com. Well, you just heard a clip of it. The first broadcast TV ad of the first in the nation, 2024 GOP primary from Vivek Ramaswamy. Probably not a surprise (laughs) that Given his financial assets, he's the first guy to throw up a TV spot. And it's, yeah, is it early? Absolutely. But hey, he's there. He has a, you know, if you ever talk to political strategists, one of the first things they say is name ID, the easiest problem to solve. All it takes is money. And uh, Vivek has money. He also has a lot of interesting messages. He talks about topics that are both very exciting to the uh, traditional talk radio base, the uh, fight against woke culture, uh, political correctness, cancel culture, et cetera. But he also talks, about, uh, talks in a way that's appealing to kind of college-educated suburbanites. So a fascinating candidate, and more about him in a future uh, podcast, absolutely. Uh, coming up in this podcast, uh, we had a few minutes for a one-on-one with the New Jersey Governor Chris Christie when he was at New Hampshire Institute of Politics. Uh, he's been on the podcast before. I'm sure all the candidates will be here. You're all welcome. Uh, I just want to say one thing about Governor Christie. I just like the guy. And there's something to be said for that. I'm not saying that's enough to get you to the nomination, not even close. I've talked to a lot of people who are smarter than me, and I've just said, okay, blank page. What is a path to get Chris Christie the GOP nomination if he decides to run? And it's very hard to see. There's a lot of talk about, you know, political suicide bomber. uh, And he said it. From on stage, I mean, I've been making this joke <laughs> all week that apparently only entertains me. And you know, when I did stand-up comedy, I used to say, if I can just make one person laugh, yeah, you know, I suck. Because there's like 100 people in here. That would be really bad. Chris Christie is running the Colonel Jessup strategy. You can't handle the truth. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. In places you don't want me at cocktail parties. You need me on that debate stage he could definitely have an impact. question is, you know, where would he be metaphorically standing when he pulled the pin? Would he be standing next to Donald Trump or would he be standing next to Ron DeSantis or would he grab them both and try to take them all in a hail of Republican truth bombs? You know, I don't know. But I just think it's wrong to dismiss the power of being likable. If you could have put all you know, 250,000 Republican primary voters in the room with Chris Christie at the New Hampshire Institute of Politics. Uh, he would have come out, a, you know, a, a leading contender. He's just, he answered, he had great answers for questions. He was very appealing. He was uh, you know compa- combative in the fun way. You know what I mean? Like he didn't feel good, like he got a couple of tough questions in the audience. Basically, why didn't you trash Trump sooner? How could you work for that guy? He, he did a little back and forth. It was fun. He was pleasant. He's obviously smart he has views a lot of which overlap with another easy to like republican chris sununu uh and so no i'm not making a prediction i'm not i don't even know if uh governor chris is going to run i'm just saying when we overlook the basics like you just like the guy i think we're overlooking you know it's it's, a, it's it can be a mistake the math is still the math uh it, you know uh, donald trump is still the most likely Republican to be the nominee in 2024. Ron DeSantis is still the most likely non-Trump Republican nominee. Uh, But lots of campaign going on. Vivek is spending money. He's got money to spend. What will that do? I don't know. Uh, uh, Nikki Haley uh, making the media rounds uh, in New Hampshire this week, doing a couple events. I talked to folks who were at her Salem event. They said that she was on message. She got a great crowd and she was on message. And she is on message. She is a machine. Uh, you can, I, you, I've never seen anyone knock her off her. Here is my tested voter friendly message on topic. You name it. And I, I threw, uh, so, uh, so, uh, uh, at her on the fact that I'm from South Carolina. I'm a big South Carolina Gamecocks fan and she's a Clemson tiger. And even that nothing, not did not cause her hair to move. She was totally blocked down and, uh, Those of us who watch politics a lot, it's easy to kind of get tired with the repetitive answers. But those of us who've run campaigns in the past know that's exactly what you want. You tell your candidates all the time, stay on message. You don't care that you've said the same thing 5,000 times. What you care are those 5,000 people who are only going to hear you once. You want to make sure they hear you give your best answer. Uh, So disciplined candidates, well-funded candidates, smart candidates, a volatile field On the one hand, you could argue the race is over. It's going to be Trump. On the other hand, when was the last time we had a presidential contest with an incumbent president who's 82, going to be, and a wildly unpopular vice president behind him versus a guy who's facing four major court cases? (laughs) Any or all of which could have an impact on this race. So you may be looking down the political highway and saying, look, this is all set. it's going to be Biden Trump, that's where we go. I don't see a political highway. I see a political roller coaster. I see all kinds of unexpected things happening between now and late January, early February when the uh, first of the Nation primary is held. One of the things, breaking news, of course, and we had horrific breaking news out of uh, Nashville, with uh, another uh, school shooting. I just got to say, I am loving watching the incredibly bad media coverage. You know, Obviously, that's compared to the horrific tragedy that these families have gone through. And I'm not th- that horrific act of violence committed against them. Not diminishing that, but oh my gosh, when it turned out that the horrific dirtball killer also is a woman who identifies uh, her gender as male. You could just see the... You know, the (laughs) newsroom editors flailing on the floor, pulling their hair and gasping for breath. They don't know what to do. And that's why the coverage has been so bad. I mean, I I know people who didn't realize until two days after the shooting that the shooter was a woman. They thought the shooter was a man who identified as a woman because the reporting was so bad. And uh, not to be mean to the wonderful folks at WMUR, but they did a whole package on the shooting the morning after. That never mentioned the fact that the shooter was transgender. In fact, they wrote an entire news package. Think about how hard this is, with no pronouns, not a single pronoun. It was always the shooter did this, the shooter. Did this. So when you was oh, you had no idea. You 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 literally knew nothing about the shooter. And why? Well, because of the politics of pronouns and the you know incredibly uh, powerful influence that this very. Fringe issue. I'm not you know, setting aside how you feel about the transgender. How many transgender people are there? Really? You know, how, how many families does this actually impact? And you've got an entire political party that is enthralled to them. And then, of course, the media, you know, the, par, the partisan outlets, you know, like NHPR, and etc. You know, they are have to do the bidding of the party for whom they, that they serve. And they don't know what to do. And so it's fascinating to, to watch. At the same time, you know, the gun issue... Uh, presents challenges for Republicans, particularly Republicans like Governor Chris Sununu. As we record, because I, uh, I don't know if he's going to say something in the next day or two, but you know, he's scheduled to appear at the big NRA confab on April 14th. Coincidentally, the same day that Ron DeSantis will be at the Amos Tuck dinner here in New Hampshire. Coincidence or something more. Uh, and the New Hampshire Democratic Party being politically smart goes after him what are you doing going to that dinner you should cancel the NRA event you should cancel you shouldn't go uh haven't heard uh, any comment from uh, Governor Snoo's office about confirming going canceling but you know that presents the challenge uh Nikki Haley was asked about this on uh, the w- on WFEA radio Drew Klein and she's a governor who you know uh, had a horrific national shooting on her watch uh, at the uh, uh, church in Charleston and she had her answer down. She, the classic uh, Second Amendment supporter answer, which is all about mental health, is what we're going to do with mental health, etc. But she had an answer. She was ready for it, ready to address it. And it's just a sign. It's just a reminder that there are going to be events, unanticipated events, from oh, I don't know, Russia invading Ukraine. <laughs> who had that on your card in 2016, 2018, 2020? Uh, you know, China, Taiwan. Who knows? Uh, uh, you know, horrific events like Nashville, uh, there could be another George Floyd-style moment or a, a hundred things. And the, watching Republicans struggle, who want to be president, struggle with that today is a reminder that there's a lot of uh, twists and turns yet to go. One more thing that I want to throw in to, because I'd be curious to get your response or thoughts on this. Our email is news at insidesources.com, news at insidesources.com. What happens if, for physical reasons, President Biden isn't able to run in 2024? What does that do to this race? I mean, the Republican race. Forget that. I mean, the Democratic part will be just, wow. But how do you think that impacts the way Republican primary voters think? I mean, if it's President Harris running for her first full term as president, there are a lot of people who think, well, then that's it. So it doesn't matter who the Republicans nominate, they're in because Kamala Harris is both incredibly unpopular and horribly bad at politics. So maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, but that's the thinking. So what does that do? Does that cause Republican primary voters to think, okay, we don't want to blow this? We've got a chance to have the White House maybe pick up, you know, Congress, you know, the the, the US Senate by having the Democrats have a weak president. We can't mess around. We've got to seize this moment and have the opposite of 2022. Or does it cause Republicans to go, we're in. Give me some Trump. I want me some Trump. Doesn't matter. Stop telling me Trump can't win. Are you kidding me? Anybody can win. My Aunt Virgil can win. That's the question. What impact will it have? When I was uh, covering the 2020 primary, I was at Joe Biden's first appearance here in New Hampshire. This kind of goes back to the Chris Christie in the room thing. And I remember standing there and watching him, listening to him speak. You know, we got up, up semi up close, not a one on one. They weren't doing the press. Oh my God, no way. But you know, but you saw him at work and I remember just thinking, wow, this guy is so old. He looked old. He sounded old. His thoughts, his way of thinking, his ideas were old. I I was saying at the time, there's no way this guy's a nominee. The Democrats are going to nominate this guy. Now, obviously, for all sorts of uh, reasons, having to do in large part with Trump and uh, having to do with the rest of the field, they ended up nominating him. And then he lucked out uh, because of COVID. He was able to campaign without campaigning. He was able to not have to deal with his age. The idea that you're going to elect somebody as old as Joe Biden... And never have a consequence for that. It's possible. Politics is not played with a round ball. It's played with an oblong ball. It's possible. But man, that that just strikes me as a, a very risky bet. That's how it looks to me. I'm Michael Graham. Coming up, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. First, a big thank you to Dr. Bruce Houghton at PerfectSmiles.com for sponsoring the podcast. PerfectSmiles.com. He's right there in Nashua. I think it's exit four, exit five. Uh, just Dr. Bruce, the best. He gave me my perfect smile. He did Howies. You, if you just if you go to perfectsmiles.com, you can see the videos. Maybe you've seen them in the newsletter. Uh, Dr. Bruce is just the best. And if you've been thinking about having your smile done, you know, this, this this tech has been around for years and years, and you've thought, oh, I, I looked into it a few years ago, and it was just too expensive, or they couldn't really fix my fundamental problem. You need to talk to Dr. Bruce. Dr. Bruce will work with you and he has the latest training in fact he trains other oral health professionals he's that good so don't miss this opportunity just just talk to him just talk to dr bruce talk to his wife stephanie they are great they work together and don't kill each other right away i'm just like who are these freaks uh but they are wonderful people the best treatment you will get anywhere perfectsmiles.com tell them michael graham and the new hampshire journal podcast sent you So uh, running for president's a weird thing to do. You're doing it maybe twice. That says something I think about you. Of course. But you know, it's also something few people do. So you've had a chance to learn from it from doing one. So what did you learn about running for president the first time?
1: Well, first is that you can never predict what's gonna happen. It's a dynamic situation. Everybody who thinks they know what's gonna happen are almost always wrong. Second is that a lot of the stuff that you do very early is wasted time and wasted energy. Um, people aren't as focused nearly as much. And so, you know, don't run yourself around too much early. Um, because, you mean like you know, fly
0: to New Hampshire, give a speech to a bunch of yokels, yeah, yeah that kind of thing? Uh, you know, <laughs> um, or spend days and days and days doing it.
1: Um, and I think the third thing I learned is that you have to continue to keep your ears open and listen. Um, listen to what people are saying to you. Uh, because, uh, you know, those are the people who are going to be voting and and even though it may be contrary at times to what your own strategy is or your approach you got to keep your ears open and listen and try to adjust to at least address the issues that they care about even if you're not going to give them an answer that they necessarily
0: want but you know i mean like i used to do talk radio for a living so people call in of all kinds of crazy stuff give me an example of something that you heard you know campaigning that then you 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 evolved into a trend that evolved into hey we need to be talking about this
1: well i don't know if it, it ultimately came into we need to be talking about this but it was pretty clear to us from early on that people didn't want a politician. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mary Pat heard that. I heard that. Um, and so those of us who had a title going into that race in 16 were the ones who were at a real disadvantage as opposed to an advantage like we normally are. So the, the, the folks that you saw predominantly leading this race at different times were Donald Trump, Ben Carson, um, Carly Fiorina, right? So the, there was a real hunger in 2016 to have someone who was not part of the system. And I think we didn't embrace and acknowledge that nothing we could have done to change right. it. I was the sitting governor, but we didn't acknowledge it and embrace it nearly as soon as I wish we would have. We didn't believe it. Um, but as it turned out, when you saw the results, it was, it was true.
0: Um, one of the things that's different about now in 2016 is the, right-in-your-face foreign policy issues, whether it's Ukraine, China, you could argue TikTok is foreign policy, yeah. you know, just all around the world, it's the threats, etc. People say, okay, governor of New Jersey, you know, other than having some squabbles, maybe with some Italian people, you know, connected in other ways, you know, what kind of foreign policy, let's say you did decide that you wanted to run for president, what what should people know about your view of foreign policy? and experience? What would guide you? Well, in
1: 2016, I obviously put out a lot regarding what I thought about foreign policy, but you're right that those issues are even more acute today than they were eight years ago. And I've spent a lot of time learning and studying about it. Um, you know, I've had some great mentors like uh, Henry Kissinger, who I continue to meet with, will be meeting with again next week to talk about the state of the world. Um, folks like uh, Brian Hook, who worked in the Trump State Department, who's been a great friend and advisor to me. Um, and so what you do is you try to get as many smart people as you can and talk to them about the issues. But what people need to know about me is I believe America is the world leader. And that that is the price we pay for being the richest and freest country in the world. And that what sets us apart is that we have legitimate friendships and alliances all over the world that we didn't have to buy. And that gives us an advantage over China and Russia and North Korea and Iran, who don't have friendships except with each other. And I think we have too many people in our party who want to give that away, who want to fill the moat and pull up the drawbridge. And I, I believe it's the wrong way to go, and I think it's naive to think that we're not in a proxy war right now with China. We are. Um, whether it's fentanyl coming over the border, whether it's uh, intelligence balloons flying over the country, whether it's them funding and supporting the Russian aggression in Ukraine. I heard Ron DeSantis say that's a territorial dispute. A territorial dispute is when you do a survey of your property at home, <laughs> and and your neighbor's fence is six inches onto your property. Not when you run tanks and artillery um, into a free friendly right. country and try to take their land by force so if they want to know what a Chris Christie foreign policy would be if I were a candidate it would be one that tries to strengthen our friendships around the world stand up for freedom around the world not by sending troops everywhere but by making sure those societies have the means to defend themselves against authoritarian aggression
0: I' the territorial sphere I think of is where is the Statue of Liberty is it in New Jersey oh, or New, New York Jersey, yeah see this? Well, here we go here we all go you have to do. All you have to do
1: is drive along the coast of the Hudson River mm-hmm. on either side. If you're in New York, you have to strain right, nice. to see the Statue of Liberty. If you're in New Jersey, you feel like you can touch it. And the Supreme Court has settled this matter. Right, It's yeah. New Jersey's. Yeah, I just, and, and really, I used to give Cuomo a hard time while we were both governor that he needed to take it off his license plate. Uh, because, you know, it's not his, it's mine.
0: Um, the, on the issue of TikTok, there's the uh, traditional small government, leave them alone, you know, Republican view that was around for a while. Now you have this kind of new, some might call it kind of a new nationalist. We need to put the power of government in service of our national security, that means shutting TikTok down. We do a lot of business with China, regardless. One of the interesting arguments I've heard is, sure, shut TikTok down. But what about all the other gazillions of ways that we're sending tech and money and people and minds and et cetera? So does it really matter? Where does Chris Christie fall on TikTok?
1: Well, I think we need to begin to decouple our relationship with China in a pretty significant way. And that's not about using government authority. Mm -hmm. I don't think we have to do that on TikTok. What I tell you is all I'm for is fairness. Like no Facebook in China, Mm -hmm. no Twitter in China. Well, when they let Facebook and Twitter in, I'll let TikTok back in. But, I mean, how is it? This is a, this is uh, the trade issue as well. I am free. I'm a free trader. I'm for free trade. But it has to be fair. And what's happened is we've let China um, game us. And so, to me, I wouldn't have let TikTok in in the first place because my view would have been, I would have said to President Xi, right. I'm fine with it. It right. seems like a really great app. <laughs> I'm sure kids will love it. But... They like Facebook, and they like Twitter, and they like Instagram also. So how about you open up the doors to that, and we'll open up the doors to TikTok. And that's why I think TikTok should be banned now, more than anything else, as a statement to the Chinese that we're not going to allow one-sided exchange
0: of ideas. It's not what we're for. Okay, one last question, because you got stuff to do, and you need to drink your tea, et cetera. One of the... Uh Things that people are now using politics for is search for meaning, as opposed to just politics. You know, do stuff. This happened actually at the beginning of the original Cold War. People forget we put "In God we Trust" in, as the motto during in the 50s. You know, they you know the, the we, there was a re you know religion kind of had a spike in interest because people saw this you know conflict and they turned to faith. You look at the new numbers that came out today, the Wall Street Journal North poll. Only of people will have enough confidence to want to have children in the future. They're, forget religion. Even the family bonds are fraying. Is, that a, is there a place in politics for that? Do, do Republicans have an answer to that? Or is that just, look, we're going to run the trains. We're going to make sure the banks don't fail. You find your own way to meaning.
1: Well, yes, we're going to run the banks. We're going to make the so trains <laughs> run on time and do all the rest of that, which the Biden administration is not doing right now. But I do think there is a place for leadership in those areas if it comes from a genuine spot of view. Like, I see all this anger in the country right now, and I understand it. There's plenty of things to be angry about, but what do we direct that anger towards? Right now, we have political leaders and media leaders who are directing that anger and stoking it as an attempt to help themselves personally. Media to make money, political figures to enhance their own political standing. Um, I think we need to channel that anger in a way back towards solving problems and saying, okay, you're angry about this? Let's sit down and how are we going to fix it? How are we going to make it better? Um, And and there's something that goes along with that that's trust. And I think there's such a lack of trust right now for good reasons because government hasn't been telling people the truth. Donald Trump's not a truth teller. Joe Biden's not a truth teller. And so on both sides of the aisle, there's trouble with truth. And I think what the American people are hungry for more than anything else is for the truth to matter again. And not to be negotiable. And I think that's where you start on marriage and on faith. Mm. Because if truth isn't undergirding all of that, it's hard to have faith in the fact that you can marry someone right. and stay with them like I have for 37 years. It's tough to think that you could raise four children mm. and they're going to grow up to be good people in a and happy people. Right. It's hard to believe in a higher being right. if you're not dealing from a place of truth.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the New Hampshire Journal podcast. Please find us on Twitter, New Hampshire Journal, on Facebook, NH Journal, and of course at nhjournal.com where you can sign up for our daily newsletter. I'm Michael Graham with Inside Sources. Thanks again for listening.